to Beyond Sunday. My name is Todd and I have a smile from Christian as we start off right now because we never know how to start this, but I am glad all of you have come to just hang out with us with Beyond Sunday. It's a it's an opportunity for both Spencer, who's here, and Christian and I just to have a conversation as a group of guys through specifically this week, what was preached on this last weekend. Mm-hmm. But to kind of lay out not only the ideals of the text that we look at and the the ways in which we're trying to frame this idea of the mind, but I think what we love about it, it's the way in which we can land it into real life. And we think the best way to land it into real life is inside of the context of a local church. Mm-hmm. And so we have been talking through this idea of, of thinking rightly in a broken world. And the main thing we've been going after is in Romans 12 too, this idea of what does it look like to be renewed right, right in the mind, the, the mind being renewed. So maybe let's do this just to kind of get us off and started on this podcast. And we'll, we'll do this all together as a group. Where have we come from? And I'll, I'll start with you, Spencer. Maybe give us, start the, start us down the path. Where have we come from and where have we landed this last weekend as we kind of set the stage for why it's so important as we talk through yeah, the, whoa, the body like of Christ? Where we've been so we know where we are, so we can anticipate where we're going. It's kind of where you're, is that what <laughs> you're talking deep. about? Yes, whoa. it's very deep what you just brought up. <laughs> yeah, yes. There's a method to the madness here. No, I think one of the things that I think is so important that we laid out early was one defining what the mind was mm-hmm. and that that idea that it's the you use the word word interface which i'm mm-hmm. still trying to understand what that was mm-hmm. but the idea that it's the it's the part of us that's interpreting the world around us it's mm-hmm. the way we interact with god's world because none of us or all of us i should say are interpreting the world and we're trying to make sense of the yeah. world around us and yeah. all things right and, and all the things we see and observe and listen to and so when we talk about the mind it's that way that we are interpreting and engaging the the things around us. Um, so I think that was really, really important. And then I think, Christian, I think you did a great job of laying out, okay, so if if the mind is that part of us that's interpreting the world, when, when Paul says in Romans 12, the renewing of your mind, you mm-hmm. kind of reset the table of going, okay, what are we being renewed to, right? Yeah, that, yeah for sure. Yeah, thanks. Um, it's the idea of if these minds need to be made new, what were they like when they were new? What's gone like in between what's gone wrong that we need to get fixed from what were they intended to be like in the beginning? Right. And that's where we were looking at that idea of, we definitely see God designed us to be learners. He, he designed us to be those who continue to acquire more information and, and be able to interpret it and reason well through it. But, right. but God has intention in the beginning. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's not just a, this is all there is for you and just be content with that. It's this, Hey, let's keep walking and talking. So there's that sense we talked about of, uh, there's great capacity to learn, but there's also limitations that we cannot know all that God knows. We cannot be omniscient in the same way that God is, but there was the sense of with our limitations to depend upon God, to lead us into true knowledge and then to walk with him in that relationship of trust. Those are those three things, a limit, Pursue limited knowledge and dependence upon God in a relationship of trust. We're kind of the three things we right. impact in the beginning. Then when we started talking about, okay, if we need to be renewed, what went wrong? If that's what they were intended to be like, how'd they get messed up? And that's where you kind of picked it up in Genesis 3, right? Right, right. Now, yeah, that idea that that God had intentions for us on how we were to know and how mm-hmm. we were to interpret the world around him. But, but what sin did is it really kind of undermined all those things, yeah. right? It, it violated that relationship of trust and all of a sudden we pursue unlimited knowledge with you know really our 
we become the 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 arbiters or yeah. the judges of what's true and what's right yeah. and what's good. And I think you see all that in Genesis three um, verses one to six there. And so, yeah, we just talk about the reality of the mind and the us that, that now all of a sudden sin affects how we actually know and make sense of the world around us. And that's the state of humanity mm-hmm. that, that I, th- I don't think we often think about, but I think, I think that's where I get excited about this series is that we've talked about what God's intention was and then, and then kind of going, okay, well, wow, that means sin has really affected how we make sense of the world around us. And I think practically speaking, I mean, I don't know, you guys interact with people at Cornerstone a lot and you live here and see me and mm-hmm. we look around and go, man, the last 18 months, I think that's certainly been, <laughs> been held true of going, man, people are processing, I'm processing things wrongly. I'm interpreting things wrongly. I don't know. Well, I think like you're, you're drawing us to Titus 115. It's corrupt. Yeah. Right, it's just corrupted. The it's not functioning as it's as it's supposed to. It's it's a Romans one twenty eight issue. It's our, the mind is undiscerning. It we can't process. We're we're struggling in who we are. But I think that's what's so powerful about God's redemptive plan. Right, is that God did not intend us to leave in that to live in that state, but has been in His redemptive process seeking to help us be people that can think rightly through the world in which we live in, can think rightly about what does it mean to live in fellowship, obviously, with right. him. Yeah. And I think this is where it came into the role of the Holy Spirit, which, you know, sometimes we think the Holy Spirit only finally shows up within the New Testament, mm-hmm. but we've seen the Holy Spirit hovering over the waters, the Holy Spirit engaging in and developing life. We see the Holy Spirit in and through the lives of his people throughout mm-hmm. time. But there is something powerful yeah. when the Holy Spirit finally lands into his church in Acts 2. Yeah. Which is huge. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I think there's an there's an aspect of that also of going, there's an aspect of faith that is that r- returning to what Christian you were talking about of, of like there's an aspect of faith that is going, hey, I do want to limit mm-hmm. my knowledge, right? I do want to be dependent on what God reveals and how I engage and know the world around me. And I think you see that of going. And I want to have faith in in the Holy Spirit. I want to trust and restore that you know, that relationship. But that it, it it is counterintuitive. It doesn't make sense all the time because we have to, like in a lot of ways, die to ourselves and yeah. what makes sense to me. Yeah. And go, man, what is it that? Thought? But I mean, this is where I go. The the redemptive work of Jesus actually it does give us the ability to do this, right? And the spirit empowers us to do this, but it is. Well, built into the gospel, the message of the cross that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 1 totally goes back to the original intent for the mind, right? It It is counterintuitive. It is limited information. It is something that demands... What's well, foolishness to the world. Yeah, well, well, again, it doesn't <laughs> yeah. make sense in the wisdom of, of the mind of the world and how yeah. they look at it. But in God's wisdom... It makes complete sense. And I think that was what was so cool of unpacking 1 Corinthians 2, 6 through 16 is this beautiful picture of God renewing the intent of the mind, right? That through now the spirit, because there's no other way, our minds are absolutely unable to rightly interpret the world in which we live in in God apart from the the Holy Spirit being in us. But we don't receive the Holy Spirit apart from the powerful work of Jesus, right? Right. To draw us in and and, and enable that capacity. And so I think like when we're talking about the mind right now, it it was an amazing reality like Genesis 1 Mm -hmm. and 2. It, It did get broken in Genesis 3. God has been in the middle. I mean, the whole Testament is a testimony to God renewing what it was the mind was intended to be. Yeah. 
And I think like just for, for you last week, the way then you brought in the spirit empowered book, written yeah. book, right? Which I thought was so, so kind of great in this process, but maybe, maybe throw out a couple of thoughts on that from, from scripture. Yeah. I mean, one of the things we've been talking about through this series as well is that the scripture is not only a collection of spirit inspired writings, it, it is a collective story. And that's what we've been trying to walk through it in this series is to, to bring out the storyline of scripture in this, because you see that that original intention to walk in dependence and relationship with God. We see when we become untethered from that, how 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 stunted we are in our minds and our ability to interact with the world. Like in the book of Judges, where you see that constant refrain of people doing what's right in their own eyes, and it doesn't bring about life and wholeness and community. It actually leads to just such degradation and, and even dehumanization of people. Like it just, it all falls apart. And you see the call like in Proverbs 3 to, to not trust, not lean on your own understanding, but trust in the Lord, not be wise in your own eyes. And so much of that is the spirit calling to us through the word of God. It's not just about your perspective. It's not just about the way that you think things should happen, the way that you want to view the world. It's how do, how do we be reconciled into that, okay, Lord, I want your perspective. Mm. I want to be able to learn to see the world from your, I, I need thoughts from you. I think that was what was so just impactful in my own life was this idea that when we call the Bible the word of God, what we're saying is that this is God communicating his thoughts, himself, his character to us so that we might know him and trust him and walk with him. Like what an amazing um even alluring thing the Bible is of God saying, come with me. You can trust me. Come back to me. And the spirit is the one who gives us eyes to see that. You know? I think that's what's what's fascinating. I'm going, okay, so, so I don't want to trust my own understanding. I, I do want to be dependent on God's word. But I think that sets the table well for where we're going this you know, kind of next, mm -hmm. which Todd, where are we going? Yeah, I well, think, I mean, I'm sitting, I'm watching you. You're I like, think, <laughs> you know, for me, like the thing I'm so excited about with this particular topic, which it's already been building. I'm not, right. I feel like I'm just the one that kind of gets to open up the gift right now and show <laughs> everybody how amazing it is, but the undoing of the curse, right? There's this beautiful way in which redemption begins to take what we thought was going to be this awful Thing, which it was, but not, unable to ever be renewed. But God had instituted a plan. And in it now, it lands into surprisingly, right? I, I understand the spirit of God, that the spirit of God is going to do this amazing work, which obviously he does. The word of God, this this book that mm -hmm. I was just, I, I've been meditating through Psalm 119, you know, and so I'm, I'm in the main section of it. And it's just like, oh my gosh, the way the word is like honeycomb and all these different things. Mm -hmm. But now all of a sudden, the people of God are going to be the way this happens. The mm -hmm. messy, sometimes ugly, <laughs> off kilter. Other other broken image bearers totally. who are in the process of being redeemed are going to be the mechanism that God uses. But here's what I'm so excited <laughs> about this. So in Ephesians 3.10, though, this church, this broken, dysfunctional group of people that, that in your illustration have these minds that in many ways are like the broken mirror or... In your case, we need to have those 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 lenses corrected. They become the manifold wisdom that speaks its way out through the church, this broken group of people, and confounds even the angelic realm mm, wow. at the work of God and how we think to the world. So this, to me, I just think I've loved how this has developed. And now it's like I said, I kind of in the messy part of it, I get to unpack a gift and show how God is, is truly 
confounding the wisdom of this age and replacing it now with this messy group of people that speak yeah. the wisdom of God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, other spirit-filled people. What Amen. a cool thing. Amen. So we'll talk about that. Okay, so last week I was unpacking that idea that God's given us his word to guide us, to w teach us to walk in this relationship of trust with him. And I mean, but we saw that back in Genesis 2 as well, that God gave Adam his word. He gave him these good commands, this good guidance to... Mm -hmm. His revelation, he was still revealing himself. Absolutely. He yeah. was revealing himself. But then we also saw how he didn't only give Adam his words to guide him. He gave him, gave Adam someone to walk with. He brings that, he creates that woman as that helper to address the fact that it wasn't good for the man to be alone. And one of the things we've been talking about is how we see that through line all the way through. We need the revelation of God and we need other image bearers of God to do this with. And so that being the case, <laughs> take that away, man. Go for it. You know, I think like I, I'm glad you brought that up because I think we forget that the mind is not something that's only individual, right? Even within Romans 12 too, it's y'all's mind. Um, all those different things we're looking at are y'all concepts, right? Like they, they really are intended to work this out. So it's not even just a singular mind, my mind, but a shared mind, right? So even the way Paul talks in like, I was reading Philippians a few, mm, yeah. few weeks ago, right? That you might be this one-minded people. That we we have this shared concept that he God never intended us to go solo on this thing or in and I think you know Spencer you always bring this up this idea of the the idea of Adam being alone is not a marriage passage it's it's a it's a passage about the need of one another right yeah we, it's a it's a passage about humanity it's the state of being yeah so yeah. when 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 we talk about those those three realities of limited, uh, this idea of dependent, this idea of trusting relationship. It, it wasn't just between me individually and God, yeah. but between, it was a, a true us-ness, right? A, a we reality in how we're doing this. And yet for us, this is where it gets really hard because for many of us, we've, we've been around the church. We see the messiness of it, the ickiness of it. We've, we've been in the highs of the church and the lows of the church. And so we probably wonder, like, like I've been wondering, like, how in the world does the church become this place where this mind gets made able to rightly, you know, see the world? And what was interesting is when I was trying to put this together was the book of Ephesians just, I think, popped out mm. for me. And I think it was as you were wrestling through Ephesians 5, you know, 18, this yeah. idea of, you know, don't get drunk of wine, receive debauchery, instead be filled with the spirit. And then the connectedness to the idea in Colossians 3 let the word of Christ do this dwelling richly reality inside mm -hmm. of you. Again, it was a y'all reality that encompasses then how a whole church is supposed to view the world collectively. Mm -hmm. And so the thing that I, that started to hit me when I was looking at, at like the, the book of, of, of Ephesians, which I tried to lay out this, this last weekend, was this idea that all the things that were a part of the original intent of God in the mind, Ephesians basically comes out and says, yeah, that's what God's trying to do with the church still. Like, He's restoring us to the intent for which he had, right? And so like even one of the things that you get in this is the idea of the way community kind of creates limits for us. It, it creates limits from the standpoint it calls us out when we do stupid things, when mm. we're not living in line with the gospel. It, it, it forces us, I think, to move at a, relate, or, or a rate of relationship, mm. right? We don't get to move at our own pace, hopefully, but it actually... It slows us, and this is the way I'd say it, it slows us down. Mm. It, it forces us to do many things together, which in many ways doesn't seem efficient. It doesn't seem right, unless you see God's intent, which is the limited information thing, right? We, we, you can't handle that much information. Mm. And so therefore, 
man, the way the mind is developed, he gives us this group of body. And the way that I was thinking about it, that I tried to unpack this idea, is truly a, a, a governor, not Governor Newsom, but right, a governor on a on a vehicle, on a vehicle yeah. that really does intentionally slow you down. That we we think it's bad that the church gets slowed down, but but if the intent of God was that it would be limited, well, maybe that's not bad. Yeah, and maybe actually it's this huge blessing that this group of people gets slowed down enough. And I think then it forces us to work it out, not just cognitively, but in real life. And that was, I think, one of the big things in, in thinking through something that restores it to, to limits. But then that, I think, then naturally leads to what that develops out is that develops out this interdependence then within the body. And Spencer, you and I have talked about this a lot, this idea of interdependence where the church was designed to live and operate together, mm-hmm. so much so that it intertwines itself. And when it intertwines itself, it actually should hurt when we pull it apart. It intertwines mm-hmm. itself in our how we share our, our money, how we share, you know, our, our 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 different our cars, or you know, all different things. But how we begin to intertwine life. But I think in that, what that does for the mind is it forces us again together collectively to think rightly, to to rightly view the world. It seems like there's like a. There, there can be a, something we all bristle against, which is like imposed limitations. Like you're, you're reining me in. But there's also this amazing role of community of helping me to acknowledge my limitations. Like if I feel like, hey, the sky's the limit if I could just do this on my own, that's actually a really like dangerous and foolish place to be in. That, that it's not only that a, a good community provides those guardrails for me, it also helps me to see the goodness of not just free reign to go as I, as I please. Well, there's also a uh, inherent humility in it. When I realized that, wow, you are actually maybe a little bit more of a subject matter expert than me Mm -hmm. in whatever area of life that, that I might actually take a posture of maybe learning from you or, um, yeah. And just recognize your life experience Mm -hmm. or recognize your, maybe you you may, may have more aptitude in a certain area that, that all of a sudden, when I humble myself and learn as a new covenant redeemed image bearer going, oh, I don't have to do it all on my own. Then, then there is a y'all component where we collectively can actually know better <laughs> and more accurately maybe because we're actually giving deference to one another. It, I, I would say it this way, as far as the developing of those lenses that you talked about yeah. last week, it, it is a pride killer. Right. Oh and gosh, one of the yeah. greatest ways to that I think like we face seeing our world correctly is pride. Mm-hmm. And be, yet the more that we create these interdependent lives, I would even say this, the more that my life becomes dependent upon you mm. in an interesting way, I actually become more dependent upon God. Yeah. Right. When I'm entrusting my life out there to other pe- broken well, it's people. Other, because it's, it's actually it's entrusting yourself to other spirit empowered people. So you actually are entrusting yourself to the Holy Spirit through other spirit-empowered and spirit-indwelt people. Yeah, which I think then out of Ephesians, it, it's a fascinating reality. We begin to learn this idea that I think then we trust God most when we trust His spirit-empowered people most. Yeah, yeah. Which is a really interesting thing for me to mull through because I think then that that leads to then what you laid out was kind of your last point, this idea of trusting relationships, which is, whew, especially this last 18 months, trust wasn't exactly a high high reality right. and again because we're talking on the biblical idealism side here what what's required in order to have that kind of trust with others 
this is the thing that's been just wrecking me the last, I don't know, three weeks or so is just the steady repeated call to die to self. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The, the, whether it's, you've been crucified with Christ, uh, Romans 12, one, you know, that we lay down our lives as, as an offering, right. Of going, but just the imagery throughout the new Testament that we are dying to self and, and am I willing to allow the way my mind operates and my preferences to die mm. so that I might allow other spirit-filled people to speak into that? Mm. Yeah, and that's that's where I think this gets hard, right? Where to, to actually entrust myself to others is to work through things like that, is to entrust myself not just on the levels of, you know, do I trust you, like a, maybe a, a surfacey mm -hmm. thing, but no, I'm actually entrusting myself to you and inviting you into every facet and aspect of my decision making my my life and and then the more that that intertwines right now all of a sudden again it creates this sense of trust but it's it you had to go through a lot of mess to get there right. a lot of mess to but but as there. you develop that level of trust collectively it is a restoration of what god intended because now all of a sudden, as we think and engage differently, as these redeemed image bearers, we are actually putting God on display to the world because we collectively are thinking so differently than the world around us because we're not functioning as a bunch of experts on our own. Yeah. We're actually interdependent people going, no, no, like I, I need these other people. So the humility that's required, the I mean, all this stuff, is the weird restoration of what God, I mean, I, that's where I go as redeemed image bearers, we get to do what God called us to do, which is to make him known. And it reshapes again, how we view the world, mm -hmm. right? Like, I think that's the thing, this, this, all these things, it's imagine this, like actually living as God intended reshapes in this practice, how we actually are supposed to view the world that by the end of it, then like, you, you especially look in Ephesians where it's like in chapter four, kind of in 424 and five, one, he then calls them then to like live out their their image bearing status, yeah. like live out your God bearing status. But it's in such a way. And this is where, I, like I said, I was so excited to get to, to Ephesians 3.10. Think about this. Everything that, that Satan sought to accomplish, everything that the demonic world has sought to accomplish is to stir humanity to not live out our God intended reality. Mm -hmm. Now, all of a sudden, this church begins to live and operate in the way that God intended them to live. And yet through the mess and the ick and the uck and all the difficulty, we then live in the way God intended, which confounds, right? It's a testimony to the to the angelic realm around us. No, we we God saves, God restores, God redeems. God is renewing people back into the intent for which he had them. And I think for especially for a church to see this and to see it in action is powerful. And then how we begin to develop that shared mind together and i would say this even look at our own relationships as friends we've developed a shared mind just in how we've lived together uh shared life in and amongst our families shared life in so many facets we, we always say man I, I found myself thinking a lot like you now that could be an echo chamber no doubt mm -hmm. but i think a lot of it is this relational working through life that begins to develop a one-mindedness that allows then you to think together. And I think when Paul calls the Philippians and every other church that he writes to in his one-mindedness, I think this is what he's in essence talking about is a renewing what you were intended to be. And out of it, think about it. All of us have talked. 
we've all started to see the world differently because yeah. of it. But I think like, like, like you said, there can be a point where you become an echo chamber or where you're, you're even within a community of people, your, your perspective is not diverse enough. Um, and I think that that's the, <laughs> which we that, always need more. No, totally. That's the role of hospitality in this. That's the role of Jesus saying, I have other sheep who are not of the sheepfold. I got to go get them too. That sense of a, of an expansive sort of not to be a mile wide and an inch deep. But I think that in that way, like even a role that I've appreciated in our in our friendships is the other voices that come in, the sense of saying, hey, we were talking about this, but then I heard this other guy or read this article yeah. or talked to a friend over here. They gave me a different perspective that, I mean, it's like what we see in the book of Acts, that, that beautiful unity and oneness that we see in the early chapters. And then once these different like ethnic groups kind of started coming into the church, things got really tense and hold on, you're not caring for our widows. You're not seeing them. Okay, how do we address that? And yeah. like yeah. that ability yeah. to tackle issues and gaps and address those difficulties. I'm, I'm super thankful you brought that up. And I think that sets the table up well for where we're going next, because that's actually what I wrote down as we were talking here. I'm going, okay, I know we're talking about the biblical idealism side, but this still gets really, really messy as yeah. we're talking about God's people. So I'm, I'm thankful you brought that up because I think it's a good segue for where we're going next and yeah. some of the, the messiness side of things. Yeah. So we'll, we'll I, I'm excited to look forward, but I mean, I would just say this one last thing on Ephesians. Ephesians is messy. Yeah. It's, it's the restoring racial problems. It's the how do married people live along? It's the how do families get along? How do, how do extended like households live? Like the cool part about this as we move into this next kind of section is it's practical. It's mm -hmm. real. It, the, the, the mess is real, but so is the redemption of God. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to talking about that with you guys. All right. So I got to be honest, I'm excited about the messiness part of things. And maybe it's the cynical nature I have, but you're just laughing at me. Now because, That's why you did Genesis I've been, 3. I've been waiting for this one. The messy. All right. Yeah. You get that mad scientist look. I'm going to make it messy. No, I don't need to make this one messy. It's just more like time of confession. Oh, because... all right. oh stop. Pause. We'll have to do it again. Sorry. Cool. All right. Come in. Wow. She told me no, I could I come in. I hey, you. I noticed. Hey, don't don't mind me. We're just well, don't, don't spill water on the I'm uh, gonna so spill it on it now. You probably you notice? I noticed the batteries on like the last third here. It's what? Is it there's the little battery reader is like in the last third? I don't know if we want to. And we still have a podcast to go. I'll go get more batteries. Okay, we can finish this part. And then All right. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Well, I got to be honest. I'm I'm excited Hold about on, let's where. Let's do that again. That was such a, was such a loud clap. Okay, shocked ready. me. Good volume. There. We're gonna start again, Cole. Start over. Start over. Okay, here we go. <laughs> such a bad clap. That was kind of weak. A little golf, golf ready? clap. One more yeah. clap. One more. Yeah, this is the real clap, Cole. All right. Uh, so I'm excited about the messy part of things. and uh, Imagine that. Yeah, I know it. It's not because I'm cynical. I mean, well, maybe yes, slightly. You are. But, well, I am cynical. Not, I'm just saying, not only it's cynical. That's not, not the only reason I'm excited <laughs> yeah. about this. But, but it's 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 coming back to, to Christian, what you were saying of like, hey, there is this beautiful idealism of like functioning in the y'all and having that broad in the in the more voices you bring to the table. And it, I mean, the New Testament does bring out like this beautiful picture. But then as we're talking through like the messiness of things, I think what happens in my own heart and what's gotten exposed over, especially over the last 18 months, is this like time of confession. So I'm like mm -hmm. talking about the messy side of things, but like, hey guys, look, uh, you know, kind of, uh, is on one side, I have this idealism that gets like built up. And I think it's 
for the most part, accurate. But then the idealism, if it's not realized, I can become really cynical. Hmm. Um, and then I think the other part that creates a real messiness is, is longing for that idealism, but then like anticipating that, oh no, but, but like Cornerstone Church is still broken. Hmm. There's still, it's still made up of broken people. Yeah, man. And so if, I have to, and like, I have to, I have the, the thing, the things that I hold in tension are like idealism and expectation. Yeah. I don't know if that, I don't, I don't know if you, those two words work for people, but I don't know. Um, yeah. I, I think like, there's no doubt about it that from a Romans 12, two standpoint, I think this is the battle, right? Is that each, each kind of end you're saying we're going to fall off the bridge on is the way the world in this age, the mind works, right? It's, we're saying we're gonna we need to operate it differently. Another space in which now we step into it, but that's I think that's the natural bent. We probably and we probably fluctuated, mm -hmm. don't you think we did? On one end we were cynical like Spencer, and then on the, on the other side, right? Appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. no, there's there's a there's a realism. Anyways, I just I, I and again I'm maybe this is confession time for me. I, I felt like I went back and forth on that bubble, um, feeling like there was a there was an idealism unrealized. A reality ideally i mean i was just gosh like yeah for me idealism can become paralyzing yeah, the and then it just when i don't see it being lived out in the church like i get really frustrated and to the point of like paralysis where i just yeah. stop engaging and i'm like fine if you guys aren't going to do it right i'm just going to stop engaging according yeah. to me yeah right, right. i'm the judge and arbiter yes. of what what's right <laughs> you know so on one side and it's not that the idealism's wrong no what i'm missing is my expectation of the of the church and my expectation of other image bearers is that they're going to perform with that level of idealism. And I think more accurately is it's maintain that biblical idealism, but expect people to, they're broken, expect them to be broken. Yeah. And then they need redemption. Yeah. And, and, and if I hold that intention, I just find myself to be in a lot healthier place to to live and act and function and interpret the world around me. Well, I think it's, you, you, we can hold those ideas, the idealism and then the reality in tension because we know it's a, it's a tension that will be resolved one day, right? Like there is that Philippians one, six hope that the one who began a good work in us will mm. complete it. Right. Yeah. Like, so this is again, where when we keep coming back to the story of, Remember where we're at in the story, like this idea of being transformed by the renewal of our minds that has already begun for those who've been born again through the spirit, through faith in Jesus, that renewal has begun. It already has begun, but it's not yet complete. It is this journey. It is this lifelong journey that will be completed on the day of Jesus Christ, right? Yeah. So I think that that's just what's helpful to me is to go, okay, it's not about can we figure this out by the end of the week? But it's also just we're never going to figure it out. It's never going to get better than this. It's this sense of I want to live in the part of the story that I'm at right now and set my expectations that way. Well, one of the yeah. things that was super helpful for me is it's funny you just brought that up. One of the things that was super helpful for me in the midst of this pandemic thing is, is in the, like I said, the idealism that I had was just really starting to just crush me. I mean, yeah. it was just with so much just weight of like, oh, this is how we should be functioning. It was the reality of going, oh, if it weren't for the brokenness of the church, 
we would not have the New Testament. Mm, yeah. Because just about every epistle in the New Testament was written to a broken church. I mean, every letter was a corrective in some form or yeah. another to a group of broken yet redeemed image bearers, you know, called the church. And so that's where I go, oh man. So yeah, just kind of realigning my idealism and expectation. But I think that's where we have to start with this messiness. So I wanted to just set the table that way. But where else do you guys see the messiness? Not, I mean, we've already laid out the idealism of things, mm -hmm. but where else do you see some of the mess happening on that reality of like, okay, we are broken though. And whether you want to talk about your own brokenness in the midst of this or talk about someone else's brokenness, it's easier to talk about other people, <laughs> by the way. So there you go. You know, I've got this friend, you know. <laughs> I think the hardest part, probably for all of us though, is to start with ourselves because generally we identify brokenness outside of ourselves, right? So it's, it's easier to see the other people. Yeah, isn't it, right? Mm -hmm. We just, we, if we saw it, we'd adjust it. But even that, like what you just said, it's easier to see the brokenness in other people, right? Jesus's whole story of the log and the speck, right? It's easier to see something small in somebody else's life than even the big giant thing in my own life. But again, the purpose of that little parable that Jesus tells is a call to community. It's deal with your brokenness so that you can help your brother. So you can be there for him. So I think even in that, it's like, Oh, there's something really healthy about the look at myself and look at those around me and then let's do it together. Mm -hmm. And then pressing into that, yeah. right? Like I think there's a, you have to want to actually want to. Yeah. Because when all of us are, you know, you talked about the two sides of the bridge we're falling off on. Either we get fatalistic or we get cynical or we, whatever happens to us is that I do think the natural tendency then is to just go, oh, forget about it. Or I'm going to run away. I'm going to take my ball and go home. I'm going to yeah. take my ball and go play somewhere else. Or but, I'm going to take my friends and we're going to go ch do church the right way. Yeah, because Stop. my own mind. You think we <laughs> <Stop. do church? laughs> Something about cynicism but, just like <laughs> kind of creeped in. But I think like, like when you read Paul, whether it's Romans, a messed up group of people that probably was having a problem between Jewish and Gentile believers, right? First uh, Corinthians, we always talk about how messed up it was. But I think Corinth was just an average church True. that just was messed up. And so like, not only then do I have to look at myself and others, but without becoming fatalistic to identify that the church I'm a part of, we're, we're, we're messy, we're mm -hmm. messed up. And mm -hmm. every single church in some way yeah. is messed up. So wherever I go, you know, if I go to a different church is going to be messed up. And so is there then this longing and wanting to join God because you brought up the idea. I have to keep I have to keep my eye in the future when God will now write these things. Mm -hmm. But the belief God is writing these things. Yeah. He is right now writing these things. And so then do I have a desire to think as God thinks right now? The mind, uh, this mind then would beckon me back into relationship again to work through that that messiness. Because no matter where I go, it's gonna be yeah. it's gonna be messy. I think the 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 analogy of the journey of the people of Israel from Egypt to the promised land, this, this land that with streams and rivers that drinks rain from the heavens. And how do they get there through a barren wilderness <laughs> right. with snakes and scorpions and all of that. And I think there's something so instructive about that of like the Israelites so quickly lost hope in just the messiness of life in the wilderness. And yet if they had eyes to see it, if they were listening to God's direction, in their life. Every step was a step toward that home that was coming. And I think sometimes it's that idea of let's embrace the mess and deal with the hurts because this is the journey toward the ideal that we long for. But now right? you're talking on a human level right there of things we do not like. No. I do not like pain. I do not like disappointment. 
I do not like discouragement, mm. right? Because, but because of everything you're talking about, right? I mean, that was that in that, but I, it's that, that reality though, to embrace what God is doing is to choose to embrace pain and difficulty and heartache when everything in you mm-hmm. wants to run away from it. Mm-hmm. But yet it's in that, that I think the the grand redemptive work of Jesus now become kind of comes to bear. Cause, yeah, cause I mean, if I'm just being honest, it's the pain aspect. Cause like, you know, we, me as a, a leader within Cornerstone, you know, I'm like, Oh yeah. You know, those, those Israelites, but Moses was broken too. Totally. And so as a leader, I was, I felt many times like Moses, right? Where I wanted to yell at a rock or I wanted to hit the rock or all the different things. It's just, but it's embracing that, being that brokenness. Well, I think that goes back to, to the expectation piece of going, if we expect people we're living life with or expect people at Cornerstone Church to not struggle or not fail or not be broken themselves, then we will be profoundly disappointed when we're confronted with the reality that, oh, wow, Todd does fail, or the elders at Cornerstone do fail, or people in my community group do, you know, may not think accurately all the time. But shouldn't that be the norm? But that's what I'm saying. If we have the expectation that we expect people to be in the ideal side of the spectrum, and we forget the reality of, no, they're broken, and they're in process of being redeemed, then we go, oh, but if I realize, oh, no, these are people that are broken and they are in process of being redeemed, then, man, I'm going to celebrate those times when they put Jesus on display well, and I'm not going to be surprised when they reflect brokenness. I'm going to actually go, yeah, that actually makes sense. Yeah, it's, it's almost <laughs> like gives you a, a an expectation that there will be hard, that we will need to bear with one another and forgive each other and deal with hurt, but but a, a an expectation that it ultimately will be productive, that it will be transformative in our lives. And if we run from those opportunities, we lose out on the the trans- transformative work that the spirit can do in those moments. Right. It's know? almost like, you know, going back to a, a dating relationship and starting a relationship with someone saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to hurt you immensely <laughs> in this relationship. Uh, how about a second date? Yeah. And you're like, okay, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. but going, no, like I, I actually want to be in relationship with you guys, knowing full well that you will at some point sin against me and violate, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, what God's called us to relationally. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and, and I want that. Yeah. Not that I want you guys to sin, but I, but I want to be in that kind of a relationship so that we can work through those moments of difficulty. Yeah. And that's where it's like, in some ways, I think in our effort to, to avoid the, the lows and mm-hmm. the hurts and the pains, you just brought up something that's so good and, and you brought up the idea of celebrating. We also miss the highs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. If we don't actually work through these things, we don't actually get to experience the joys of redemption and the seeing of, of lives being transformed because we try to create this space where in an effort to not experience the lows, we also have to expect them. We're not going to see these powerful works of God mm-hmm. in and through not only our own life, but the lives of others that we're a part of. And I thought you brought up in the break in between we were talking, uh, Christian, just that idea going back to, to Ephesians 4 there has to be an eagerness to maintain that type of unity, right? Yeah. To have that kind of mind, which is hard to think through. Okay, that word eager, hmm. eager to maintain living in the tension of hurt and pain and disappointment and heartache. Yeah. But also I think the Spirit of God then provides the joys and the, and the, and the success as well. But again, 
when we come back to the mind, that causes us then to see the world correctly, mm-hmm. which is what we're after anyway, yeah. to see the world rightly. If, if, if I try to eliminate pain and difficulty and heartache, I am not going to see who God is rightly, and I'm not going to see the world that I'm intended to. Therefore, my mind becomes off. Yeah, right. This is one of the one of the things as we were talking through the last section. Um, I forget which one of you guys were talking through the the idea that that the the people of God are a governor. Mm-hmm. You know that that puts some healthy limits on how we think, know, and interact with God's world around us. And I think that is absolutely something that can be true, but it also can be one of the biggest, uh, like I think we have to acknowledge the fact that if we are thinking as a y'all, as a group of, of people who are thinking, that we can also as a group of people be deceived. Mm-hmm. And we as a group of people can be kind of off the rails a little bit. Yeah, I mean, in the messiness of things is going, we can be off the rails individually, but I think we as Cornerstone Church can be off the rails a little bit, just like the church at Corinth or the church mm-hmm. at Ephesus or the church in Rome. Yeah. And you almost need an outside entity to speak into that and go. Yeah. And I would say not could be. Cornerstone, right, we have to acknowledge every church is off the rails in some way, right? Yeah. And I mean, not, not or, well, Cornerstone, but you yeah. know, the other churches around us. Well, it's what he says later in Ephesians 4 when he says, until we all attain to the, the unity of the faith, faith and, the, and the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Like Paul's point is whatever church you're at, there's, there's a lot of growing room. Yeah. And there's both areas where we need to mature and things we need to recognize that we need to turn from. Yeah, which I think to where, where you're going, I think, which I really like, is that we have to deal with sin, mm-hmm. right? Just sin has to be dealt with, which by nature is a painful reality. Mm-hmm. Um, not only personal sin, but corporate sin, right? Yeah, like we there have is to, a reality of corporate sin. Yeah, and there's the pain there. I think there's the pain to adding people from outside your, your thought group. Um, it is messy adding new believers to a local church. It's inefficient. Highly sure. inefficient, <laughs> and it's messy. Um, it When you start to do like in Ephesians 2, bring together Jew and Gentile, it gets messy. Well, that's that's a religious difference, right? What like generational difference? Like when you're adding people, like I, one of the things I've been thinking around recently is like the g- generational difference. Yeah, but they're I mean because it's all, household codes, right? Yeah, like when you like look at stuff, what I said, right? you should have said to me, Todd, I don't know what the household codes are. So I'll go back in Ephesians five, talking about marriages and kids and families and extended houses, right? Like it's it's keeping that tension together and not saying, Hey, we're going to create an old group of people and a young group of people and a, this group of people like a church intentionally pulling those together, actually forcing a right, a right mind and how we, we process and realize the world. And, and so I think like the very things that sometimes we avoid the, the differences in who we are, are the very things that keep our mind from operating correctly. Mm-hmm. To your point, we get off the rails because we're not having other thought come in and go, hey, what about what about this? So if I can ask the really hard question on that one, where do you see Cornerstone off the rails and how we collectively are thinking? Well, that about yeah. wraps it up for today. No, Thank you for being with me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, uh, Spencer. Yeah, we're going to pray right now. <laughs> yeah, I, you know what? So I this mean, will be the last episode I'm yeah. a part of. And, uh... Yeah, we appreciate you, your time here. You'll be no longer needed. You know, I, I, I think to your, the difficulty of your question is, is if I knew that on some levels, I would change it. Mm-hmm. 
and I think that's there's a deception in us as a group that we have to acknowledge. Lord, please help us because in some way we're off the rails. Would you show us right? Because I was I was reading Revelation two three months ago, and I don't think the church at Ephesus or Smyrna or you know any of the rest of them in there thought I'm off the rails. I, I really don't think they realized they were off the rails till Jesus comes along and goes, "Hey, by the way, I got this against you," and you're like, "What?" Mm-hmm. So that's first thing. But I think then to your to your point, you already brought up one is that any church that tries to engage a generational dynamic, it it tends to go off the rails one way or the other. It tends to go off the rails either in that we segment and separate everybody else, which Cornerstone, that has been our tradition, is to segment and separate. Age groups. Age groups, right? But then to to push them back together again, I think, forces a a different mind. Um, I think racially within Cornerstone, we've tended to be a, a predominantly white group of people. And so therefore, not only white, but generally maybe conservative politically and who we are. And so we don't have people asking maybe some of the questions that should be asked that force you to think outside of that. No, I'm so thankful that the different people God has been bringing in Cornerstone that's forced us to think differently. But probably another part that I've been wrestling through is that um, the predisposition within us to change, um, to to actually want to be different, um, to wrestle through something differently. And, and I've appreciated, you know, you and I have talked about guys like Del O. Young and Rick Utley that have been willing to do that throughout their lives. Yeah, but is, the there, older... is there getting older still? Or like those are two of the most teachable guys and mm-hmm. guys that are learners that I know. Yeah, that I greatly appreciate ab- about them, right? But there, there's just, there's things with within who we are that as different groups and people coming amongst us, I think you naturally force change, which is why we tend to maybe segregate and separate, you know, in, in different ways. So that I don't have to go through the difficult process of, of change. And so that would probably be like an, an initial response. I don't know, Christian, do you have any thoughts on any of that? My gosh, that, yeah, there's a, there's a lot. And I think a lot of them will mirror just the cultural environment that we're in. I think one of the things I've thought before, just being a pastor at a, church in suburban Southern California, like there, there is a something to Simi Valley culture, which is a, we like to define ourselves as not LA, as not the Valley, as the people who moved this way from there to get away from the sprawl and get away from the, the, the packedness and get away from the, you know, certain things like that, that can make uh, our community and therefore even our church sometimes just kind of a, 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 comfort driven community that says this is the way that i like it this is this is what i came here for i like things this way and it can kind of make us a little bit resistant to some change but i think that that creeps in for us a lot i think we talk about it oftentimes just like uh those of us who like moved to see me from elsewhere like when you're in this little valley that's surrounded by hills it just creates these like mental blocks where you don't really think outside that you know it's like wait i have to drive all the way to madera to get something that's like the other side of town. Why isn't there one around the corner? So I do think that there are some things I'm pretty I, kind of general, but just, I do think that there is a, a, um, an expectation of comfort and convenience and I shouldn't have to change that. I do think creeps into to all of us. But then in included. relationships, when you do sit down across from somebody that thinks differently, that hasn't, hasn't had your same experience, 
it forces you then to even reframe again. Now, mind, right? We're talking about how we perceive and view the world. You know this. When I sit down across from somebody I disagree with, I don't think like, because they're human and because they're in human experience, it forces you to, to reshape your understanding of things, which is so healthy for us, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's so good. And that's where it makes it hard. You know, I, I mean, I lived in Wyoming, which talk about isolated, right? We've mm -hmm. been social distancing since 1890. <laughs> and, um, but there's this side of it where if you don't, if you don't eagerly do this, like you're talking, if it's a, an eager desire to maintain a unity, to be this church that God's called us to be, you will always, I think, always move to a place that is going to be that lowest common denominator, the thing you don't want to be. Yeah. And it's, and I think like, that's, that's probably key is like, how do we press this forward? Because if we need the struggle and strain in order to be the church that God intends us to be, to see the world rightly, right. To have the shared mind in that way, there has to be an intentionality, that eager desire, mm -hmm. that longing for it. Mm -hmm. no, I appreciate you guys sh sharing that one, just because I think you guys are in a, in a unique perspective, just seeing where Cornerstone is, you know, and I think, you know, different people have different roles at Cornerstone, but I think just appreciate you guys perspective on, um, yeah, just some of the difficulties there. Cause I think it's, I mean, yeah, we, we, we missed the boat. We're off the rails. We know that, but it's, sometimes it's good to hear where you guys see it. Yeah. You know? And yet we're off the, we're off the rails. And I hope I just, I, seriously, I don't know how you are. But every mm -hmm. time before I start, I'm getting choked up. Every time before I preach, I look out at the people of Cornerstone. I look out at this beautiful blood-bought group of people. We're, we're off the rails and yet deeply loved. Whenever I'm in my city, I love I love Simi Valley. I truly love the place I'm in. When I come up over that hill again, it's like, <gasps> you know, we're home. But I know dang well my city's off the rails, right? I mean, it's just, and I love that God in spite of us being off the rails, he adores us yeah. and he loves us. And he, he longs for us to be a group of people that, that think rightly yeah. through the world in which we live in. But, and I hate to keep going back to this. It's, it's that dying reality. Mm -hmm. It's the being the living sacrifice. It's the, the willingness to choose that confronting and heartache is not fun, mm -hmm. but it's the belief like Jesus had in, in, in Hebrews 12 too, he endured the cross, despising its shame. Why this this joy on the other side of Amen. it, right? Like, and I think we have to start seeing that that tension is really that place in which now I think it's beautiful where we do find that joy. So, hope that was uh, that was helpful for all of you. Helpful Thank for me. <laughs> Did we miss anything, Robin? Yeah, sounds good. Okay, Robin gave us silent partner. She is the so, nobody knows this, but she's the secret mastermind behind all of it. And when we say things wrongly, she forces us to stop and uh, we say things the way it's supposed to be done. So just wanted that to get out there. But thank you so much for joining us today with Beyond Sunday. And I say this a lot of Sundays, but truly do. I'm, I love this church and I'm Amen. thankful Jesus loves this church. And I am thankful for our mess. And I'm thankful for how God's going to redeem and take the things off rails and get it back on. So God bless you all. God bless you.